It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I'm, I'm freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. On today's show, we're going to talk a ton about Auburn football and their spot in the SEC with Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC. An interesting conversation about TJ Finley. But first things first, ladies and gentlemen, just got home. Uh, it's late Wednesday night as I'm recording this, but uh, just got home from the game where Auburn basketball defeats LSU 70-55 to in what was a convincing win from start to finish. An incredible game for the Auburn Tigers defensively. This team is probably going to have the best defense in the SEC by the end of the season. They are incredible. All the storylines going into this one was how sharp and how efficient and how good LSU has been. But statistically, Auburn was kind of better at, you know, assist to turnover ratio coming into it. And LSU fans were really into, you know, how well they take care of the basketball. And they were like 152nd or something like that in assist to turnover ratio. Auburn was like in the top 20. Zepp Jasper's highest in the country or third highest in the country, rather. And, I mean, just a, just an all-out team win, 70-55. to 55. And this one was never in question with the exception of, I think LSU got within six points in the second half. And then Auburn went on a tear, and they took care of business. Walker Kessler, triple-double. Holy cow. What an electric player he is becoming right before our very eyes. And, what? Well, let's see, he had 16 points. On six of eight shooting, he made the only three that he took. And so officially on stat broadcast, he has nine rebounds. But in uh, Bruce Pearl, after the game, they gave him the 10th one. So we'll see uh, what happens officially. But Auburn is calling it a triple-double, and he got 11 blocks. Think about that. 11 blocks in the contest. I mean, that is just, that is just beautiful. And then Jabari Smith. We saw Jabari Smith take over a basketball game. At the end of the first half, he scored a a few points there at the end to kind of get Auburn back in the swing of things going into halftime, kind of have some positive momentum because Auburn set up a really nice two-for-one at the end of the first half with their shot selection. But he just, we, we say it a million times, everything Jabari Smith does, it just looks easier. It just looks easier when he does it versus when other people do it. And it's just so fun to watch. It's so pure. It's so smooth. Everything about him is is, is just a, an absolute blast. Wendell Green, 4 of 10 shooting, but he got 15 points. So you take that every single day. Alan Flanagan found his way to the double digits. He got 10 points, but uh, was pretty solid from three, two for four. And at the end of the game, he had... This ridiculous, tremendous, beautiful alley-oop that will not count because of very questionable officiating that happened, uh, especially in the second half there. But they found a way. The Tigers found a way to uh, to, to get everything done. So, um, Katie Johnson, 
nine points, but his defensive presence was ridiculous. The emotional energy he brings continues to be very, very impressive. So Auburn with a 70-55 to win over the LSU Tigers. And this is the kind of situation where, like, sure, LSU was undefeated going into this, and I probably don't need to say this, but just because Auburn handled them and this game was never really in question, and if you watched it, it's like, okay, it's very clear who the better team is in this scenario. LSU's a very good basketball team. And, you know, we've heard all this talk about how good the conference is right now in basketball. LSU for the vast majority of the season so far, has been the highest-ranked team. And then, uh, especially in net, really, and, and kind of some of the analytical stuff, not necessarily the polls, but they've been highly rated because they haven't lost yet. In, a, in an off-season, or not an off-season, a non-conference schedule where we've seen teams consistently lose every few games to teams they have no business losing to, these were the two teams that really didn't trip up at all. Auburn and LSU. And so Auburn took care of business and beat the, uh, the LSU Tigers. I mean, tremendous, absolutely tremendous performance there. And it's a team effort. And I think that's what should excite fans the most is the team effort side of it because that's what makes this team so dangerous, I think, is the aspect of whoever's having an off night, they're going to be able to take care of it. Uh, one stat I want to look at, because every time I talk about um, is layups, are they not giving me that stat tonight? I guess they're not. I guess they're not. That's okay. But it certainly seemed like they were better down low. And I think that's what Alan Flanagan brings to the table. Alan Flanagan got the start over Devin Cambridge. Devin Cambridge is labeled with an illness. We'll take that for what it's worth. Obviously, COVID stuff is picking back up. So we will see. Hopefully, it's not that. And hopefully, it's something less contagious and, and less restrictive there. But, you know, of, of course, we hope he gets back. But, Alan Flanagan comes in, and, and he, he looks like his old self. He brought just enough offensively to kind of give the Tigers a spark. But defensively, I mean, uh, we went, I went to the game with, with Charlie Five. He invited me. He had some incredible tickets. And just watching Katie Johnson defend people, we were talking about, like, man, that has to be the most frustrating thing in the world to try to get past him, especially when they're close to, you know, you know half court. I mean, it's... He's just not going to let you pass them. And that's something that over the course of the game, I think it gets you frustrated. It forces you to make bad decisions. And Katie Johnson, we've talked about this with Zepp as well, these solid guard defenders, when they smell blood, they attack. And, I mean, nothing nothing gets folks more excited than a steal. Than a, you know, you go and score on the other way. So be very proud of this Auburn basketball team. Um, as far as where they could improve, free throw percentage was not good. 65%, they were 17 of 26. You love getting to the line 26 times, but you want that to be a little more efficient. Charlie Five next to me was excited that Auburn got into the bonus, and I was kind of sarcastic, and it's like, is that a good thing? And then the first uh, bonus free throw that we made, um, you know, it was a miss. So that's something you want to see get better over the course of the season. It hasn't yet, but maybe that'll be something that, that changes. And Auburn outblocked LSU 14-2. to That is ridiculous. Auburn outscored LSU in the paint, 24 to 22. Auburn outscored LSU with bench points, 19 to 18. Second chance points, 9 to 5. And total rebounds, 43 to 37. So Auburn was better in every facet of the game. That's why they won 70 to 55. But be very proud of this team. 
this is the top 10 team the next time the polls come out. Think about that. This is a top 10 team the next time the polls come out. That's crazy. That is fascinating. And I just want to say that was the best basketball environment I've ever been in. I grew up going to Auburn basketball games. I enjoyed Auburn basketball more growing up, going to games with my dad as much as we possibly could. Um, I enjoyed that more than football. I just think basketball is a more fun game day experience just because it's a little bit easy. It doesn't take up your whole day. So um, I've been to a ton of them. And even, even when like the the women's team was undefeated and they beat Tennessee. Like that was a, that was, that was a high point. This topped it. And we talked about how expensive tickets were going into the game. I mean, people wanted to be there. There was not an empty seat about three minutes into the game. Some folks were kind of late getting there, but I've never heard Auburn arena that loud. And if Auburn wants to take that next up to being a basketball school, which I think we've arrived at that point, but you need that more consistently. Can you do that? when an average Texas A&M team comes to town? Can you do that when, when an Arkansas team comes to town that, that maybe is not as good as Arkansas typically is? That's the big question. Um, the jungle was incredible. It's, uh, it's, it's normally the folks outside of the student section, and everybody was loud, and everybody was crazy, and it was an awesome experience. So if you're an Auburn fan, I know most of you listening are more football than basketball, and that's perfectly fine, but be proud of what your school put together because it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. Hey, this is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? With poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. That is netsuite.com slash locked. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. And joining us now, a little Locked On crossover action. Locked On Auburn, of course, Locked On SEC. Chris Gordy, the host, man, how are you doing? Uh, you survived Christmas. Excited for the new year? Yeah, man. It's uh, it's an exciting time, although not trending very well so far for the SEC in their bowl games. So uh, we need to need to find some more wins, getting back in the win column here. But uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. The games have been entertaining so far. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that Auburn Houston one it was entertaining, but man, from an Auburn perspective, the offense it was. It was tough to watch, Gordy, and you and I texted a little bit while it was going on, and you sent me a text, and, and I wanted to have a conversation about it, but you just sent me a text, and all it said was, TJ Finley has regressed, and I was kind of in the Finley camp when he transferred. I thought it was going to be a big addition to the Auburn quarterback's room, and what we've seen since Bo Nix has been injured is not good. It is not a good version of TJ Finley. 
Yeah, and, and look, I'm a little bit different. You know, I used to host a radio show in New Orleans, and so, um, you know, I have buddies who coach at Ponchatoula, who went to Ponchatoula, and, and they used to send me clips of this kid. I mean, when he was just a, a junior in high school saying, check out Jamarcus Russell 2.0. Like, that was the, kind of the joke because he was this big, right. tall guy with a big arm who could fling it down the field. And so, you know, when, when we found out he was going to be coming to LSU, it was like, man, this kid is going to be a stud. And so, yeah. you know, he was really good in high school. Once he got to LSU, obviously there was a log jam with quarterbacks, but with injuries, Miles Brennan and all that, he was forced into early action. And I thought the thing that stood out to me, at least through his first, you know, first couple starts at LSU was how poised he was. Like the kid didn't get rattled. Um, you know, his first start, I think, was against South Carolina. They hung 50 points on a Will Muschamp defense. Right. And that was, like, encouraging. And then the next week, he goes and lays an egg at Auburn. Of course, they get blown out. It was, like, 48 to 10 or something. But, yeah. you know, at least uh, through through those starts for T.J. Finley, you saw, you saw moments. You saw pieces of the big arm and all that. And so when he transferred to Auburn this offseason, I said, man, you know um, – his thought was, I want to go somewhere where I can compete for the starting job. And it just didn't make sense because it was like, well, do you really think you're going to beat out Bo Nix? Like, he's been there a couple of years. He's already, you know, he's the heir apparent. He's the guy. And so Finley going there was a little odd. And then we saw, obviously, moments throughout this year and then Bo Nix getting hurt. You know, Finley finally gets his chance. And I just wondered, like, did they coach him up? Like, did Mike Bobo even talk to this guy? Did they even, like go through any drills or anything. Cause what we saw of TJ Finley this year was just, man, a lot of not great. I mean, uh, the Georgia state game, obviously the, the, the great drive to, and that game was, yeah. was great. But outside of that, man, I mean, I saw a lot of mediocrity, a lot of, you know, the, the iron bowl and I hate to pin it on him because obviously tank Bigsby and, you know, there was blame to go all around, but like, man, if he just makes one or two more, good throws they win that iron bowl they should have won that iron bowl and then the birmingham bowl i mean again like like watching passes go either too high or too low and i'm like man like somebody pull this kid aside shake him and go relax my man relax and i know you know you don't have the receiving core that auburn had a year ago but um you know a lot of inexperience there but you know kobe hudson came along i mean they, they've had guys who come along this year but um Man, I just like I I couldn't help but saying watching that game, like, dude, I know you're not healthy, but you look like a completely different quarterback than you did a year ago at LSU. Yeah, and some of the things that are the most concerning about Finley and what we saw with him on Tuesday was in the past we've seen Auburn quarterbacks kind of stall out and not be able to move the football because receivers couldn't get separation. That's been a very consistent theme over the last decade at Auburn is guys just not able to get open. But against Houston, guys got open. Guys got an extra step or two on receivers. And there were a few of those that should have been touchdown passes. If you have any sort of touch on the ball or any sort of consistency whatsoever, that's kind of what you would expect. And you're right. Every now and then, Finley would, would, you know, he'll lay one in there and it's like, wow, that was a good catch, but it was a pretty good throw. That's a tough throw to make and he'd make it. But just the consistency is terrible like it's been really really bad and I don't think it's all his fault I don't think the offensive line is great but from a receiving standpoint as much as Auburn fans like to blame things on the receivers you I don't think you can do that with what happened on Tuesday yeah I I almost am willing to go this far Zach and make a bold prediction because I love to make bold predictions I'll make a bold prediction that TJ Finley is not back in an Auburn uniform next season 
Um, you know, transfer portal, we're seeing guys move all over the place. Austin Davis is now going to come in and, you know, obviously it's, it's going to be his gig. Brian Harson handpicked him and said, this is my guy to come and be in my off, be my offensive coordinator. I think Auburn's starting quarterback next year is not on the roster currently. I think they're going to go in the portal. Finley's going to enter the portal, go somewhere else. I think they're going to go in the portal and bring in somebody else. And I've heard rumblings that it could be an SEC guy. We'll see who it, who it ends up being. Uh, you know, my buddy in Houston texted me last night and said, Demetrius Davis time. I mean, he's very high on him. He watched him throughout his high school career. So, right. you know, whether it's Demetrius Davis, whether it's somebody that's out there who who hasn't entered the portal yet, uh, keep in mind, you know, last year they were quarterbacks entering as late as, you know, late in the summer entering the portal and joining their new schools. So a lot could happen this offseason, but I just – I wonder about fit and I wonder if, you know, TJ Finley was sold something and, you know, they didn't follow the coaching staff, didn't follow through and coach him up very well. And maybe it's best for both sides to kind of part ways this off season. Well, that was the story in the conversation when, you know, the first few articles about Finley showing interest at Auburn came out and there are quotes of him saying, yeah, I sat down with Harson and the coaching staff and, you know, they're looking for me to come in and compete for the starting job. And it's like, did Harson tell him that? Like, is that something that they're actually saying? Because, like, that's fascinating. Um, and it seemed like that was true to some extent. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, once Bo got the job, did they just drop him altogether? And, and you mentioned the Georgia State drive. It just makes the decision to bench Bo Nix in that game even more fascinating with all the information that we have now. And, as, you know, it doesn't look like Finley – really fits in this style of offense the way it currently sits, which is a little bit of a surprise to me. But what was that decision then? Like, he, he right. must have just been fed up with, with what Bo was doing. And then to go back to Bo, just with all the information now of this first full season in the books, it's it's interesting. It, it, it makes it much more significant in my mind. And the ironic part about that was they were going to LSU that next week and everybody was setting up. Yes. The, I think even you and I talked and we were setting up the whole storyline of TJ Finley going back to Baton Rouge. Lo and behold, Bo Nix starts and Bo Nix becomes Johnny Manziel that night down double digits. And he leads Auburn from behind. He's un, unsackable. Like LSU's getting to him. They just can't bring him down. And Bo Nix puts on a show and beats LSU in death Valley for the first time in, in forever. So yeah, it was it was kind of interesting how the season went along, but I just wonder because after that, you know, you talk about losses uh, against Georgia, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Alabama, all these rough losses this year. Like, would any of those have been different if Finley had been the guy the rest of the way? Would we have seen more consistency from Finley if he had been, uh, you know, the guy from that point in the season yeah. rather than when Bo gets hurt? And you'd have to think he would have been a little bit better, right? If, if he was able to stay in, keep that momentum. Because in that LSU game, both started, and then they gave Finley a drive, and that was it. And yeah. it's like, that's weird. Why'd you do that? Once again, in hindsight with everything, like that doesn't make any sense at all. So, um, but yeah, man, it, it's 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 bonkers. Like it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but it is, uh, it is what it is. I'm with you. and I would not be shocked if Finley left. I don't know. He ha he would have to sit out another year because he already used his free transfer. Yeah. So, so how does that play into things? And also, Gordy, I'm not entirely convinced that Auburn is going to be able to land a top-notch transfer quarterback for the 2022 season just because if I'm a quarterback interested in transferring, 
I'm going to want proof that you've got a decent offensive line and you've got weapons to throw to. And I just don't think Auburn can really compete with that sales pitch right now. Well, define top-notch quarterback. I mean, who's who's available? And I'll just throw this out there. Somebody said to me that they think it will be a quarterback from the SEC that has not entered the portal yet. Yeah, And that just got me thinking. I'm like, well, we've already know of a handful who've entered the portal. You got the Calzone, your favorite, Zach Calzada at Texas A&M right. is in the portal. We got Connor Basilak at Missouri. We've got Amory Jones at Florida. Mm-hmm. We've got guys in the conference who have all already entered the portal and don't know where they're going to end up. Are any of those guys, you know, like if you had to pick right out, TJ Finley or Connor Paisley, TJ Finley or Emory Jones, like are any of those surefire upgrades and say, man, we're going to be really good at quarterback with that guy? I would definitely take Emory over Finley. Um, I think I would take Calzada over Finley as well. Be Am better. I off base on that? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So we'll see. Um, if Calzada comes to Auburn, which I don't think he's going to, there's got to be there's got to be a local restaurant in town that names a calzone after him. That has to happen, or I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my mind, Gordy. Hey, I, I want to get your thoughts in just a moment on. Okay, Harson's got one year in the SEC. How's the conference viewing him uh, in just a moment? Right here on this locked on crossover action, Gordy. You know it. I know it. The best place to place all of your sports bets is BetOnline.ag. Whether you're wagering on you know, this bowl season or the NFL as it's heating up towards the college football playoff or, or the NFL, uh, the NFL playoffs, whatever it may be, betonline.ag is the way to put your money where your mouth is. They've got a new design website, whether it's on mobile or on your computer. Check it out, betonline.ag. And when you make that first deposit, use promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag, where the game starts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Yeah, so Harson goes six and seven, Gordy, in his first year as an SEC head coach. Where where is Auburn currently in your mind as far as tiers in the SEC? Well, I mean, you can't help but think back to you know you and I talked right after the win over Ole Miss, and right. I mean we're you know we're talking a win over a top ten team. We're talking you know everything's still to play for for Auburn at that point in the season. You're six and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were, we were even talking about the possibility of winning out. You know, the, the, the thing that seemed most unlikely at that point was, uh, you're probably going to lose in the iron bowl, but like that one ended up being the most winnable game Almost of, all, of all the rest of ones, uh, the ones down the stretch. Like it's crazy to think you went from six and two to six and seven, you lost five straight games and, you know, a couple of them in there. I mean, were you know, the A&M game, it felt like you know, that one in the second half, you did nothing to even compete in that game. Right. Uh, the Iron Bowl hurts the most because you had them beat and and you you let it slip away. But, you know, when I look around the SEC, Zach, it's hard to think. Like, everybody in Tennessee is very optimistic about Hypo right now mm-hmm. and, and Hendon Hooker coming back. Everybody in South Carolina is optimistic about Shane Beamer 
you know, he exceeded expectations already in year one. Mizzou, yeah, right. Mizzou they kind of rallied a little bit and won a couple games they weren't supposed to down the stretch. So people are feeling a little bit better about Eli Drinkwitz. They got a top 15 recruiting class now. So, like, I look around at them and then the Billy Napier and Brian Kelly, I think both Florida and LSU feel good about their hires. I start to look around and outside of Vanderbilt, Zach, I don't know if anybody feels as down on their team. Maybe Mike Leach and losing the way they did to Texas Tech, just, I mean, just an ass kicking in the second half of that game. But they're still pretty like, okay, we're still feeling pretty good about Mike Leach moving forward. Um, Man, like I would say Auburn is probably the one that feels most pessimistic about their position right now and their head coach. Yeah, and so the question is, can you fix everything you need to fix in the course of an offseason? And with the transfer portal, like, it's definitely easier to do that now than it ever has been. But on the flip side, everybody else is doing that, too. Um, Auburn, I think, needs some help at linebacker. We saw Cam Riley kind of be the next guy. He looks pretty good on Tuesday. The longer it takes Owen Papo to make an official decision, a public decision one way or the other, I think the more likely it is that he comes back. So I think that's good. Your linebacker core is going to be solid. I think your corner situation is good. You got the number one Juco corner in the country coming in. I think that's helpful. Uh, Same with the number one Juco safety coming in. It's just, can you get an offensive line? And people say, well, you got to hit the transfer portal for offensive linemen. You got to do it. It's like, well, Everyone is doing that. And there's not that many good transfer offensive linemen. There's not a whole lot of great offensive linemen anyway. And so whenever a team needs a good offensive lineman, they're also getting calls from the top tier programs that have a chance to win a championship. Your Ohio States, your Bama's, your, your Georgia's, and you know, I'll even throw Clemson in there, even though they had a bad season, but all these guys, all everyone wants good offensive linemen, Gordy. And so how is Auburn going to position themselves to get better offensive linemen? I don't know if it's as easy just to saying, hey, well, yeah, they're going to go out and get good transfer offensive linemen because there's just not many of them. Yeah, let me give you a, a couple of names to keep an eye on because I was reading up on some of these guys this morning. And cool. granted, the schools they're coming from won't wow you a lot, but these are just some of the guys that, that people are looking at in the transfer portal. That, guy that, named- that, that, that's what Auburn and other schools that are in that tier are going to have to do, right? They're going to have to take kind of a risk on some of these smaller school guys. Sure. Uh, there's a guy, Curtis Dunlap at Minnesota, um, offensive lineman. I know some people have eyes on. Uh, Traymon Shorts at East Tennessee State. He's another one that people think could could make that leap being at a small school. Mason Brooks at Western Kentucky is another one. And the last one coming from the Ivy League, Cornell Hunter Norzad. Um, you know, LSU dipped into the Ivy League a couple years ago and got their starting center from Harvard. And he started the last two years at the center spot for LSU. So it's not crazy to think you can make a leap from the Ivy League to the SEC, but those are just four names that have been thrown out there of guys that are in the portal that are very highly thought of. I think the Athletic has them, you know, ranked in their top 15 of transfer portal guys. So, I mean, that's where I would start. I would start with phone calls to all four of those guys. Again, does Austin Davis have any ties to anybody around the country coming in that, you know, he can maybe talk to and say, here's what we're doing. But in my mind, Auburn's got the best thing to sell. Look, we got Tank Bigsby. <laughs> you know, you want to run block for Tank Bigsby? We'll we'll put you on. You'll start right away. So, um, and for Tank Bigsby, he's looking at this going, look, man, I kind of had one foot in the portal, one foot not. Like, you guys want to keep me around here. You better uh, bring in some big hogs that can block for me and uh, get this thing going. I know Arkansas, speaking of hogs, they had a couple of their guys who were kind of di- dilly-dallying with the, with the portal. So, 
man, why not reach across to another SEC West opponent and say, I know you're back a backup at Arkansas right now. Why don't you come to Auburn where you can start? So, uh, yeah, I think a whole retooling of this whole line next year needs to happen for Auburn. Yeah, and they may have to get creative and take some risk on some dudes. But you've got the amount of spots, scholarships available to take risks. Get as many as you can and find the best five. Gordy, you mentioned Tank Bigsby. Obviously, Auburn having Tank Bigsby, one of the better running backs in, in college football. From your perspective, kind of from just, you know, you watch Auburn from a conference point of view. When it's crunch time and he's not in the game, what's going through your mind? Because that happens seemingly every time there's a close contest. Yeah, stupid. I mean, he was he was the, he was their best playmaker in the Birmingham Bowl. I mean, when you look at it, nearly 100 yards rushing, they're le- you know the leading rusher and leading receiver in the game. I mean, that that 51 yard play, uh, I forget if it was a screen or a wheel route or what it was, but whatever it was, it was like, hey, run more of that. Like that's that's a play that gets T.J. Finley comfortable because it's an easy throw. He's got blockers in front of him. He's out running everybody. Like I, I just, it, it's mind boggling at times this year where you know big moment in the game and tag bigsby is either not in the game or not getting the ball it's just you know brian harson we're we're overthinking this dude like uh, you know and i thought that was most disappointing too in the bowl game like all right bobo is gone this is harson's show to show what he can do offensively and it looked like the same offense but like it was like dude did you just take mike bobo's playbook and you just like you called plays out of that like Where's I, the- I liked it more until the fourth quarter. The two yeah. touches for Tank in the fourth quarter doesn't make sense to me. But I liked his design of attacking the edges of the defense because that's where Auburn kind of had the advantage and all that. I, I liked that. To me, it looked a little bit different. Um, but still, in the fourth quarter, it looked like the same stuff. Yeah, I, I just that, – that, that was frustrating to me. And so, again, you know, when we talk about optimism and big picture of looking ahead, yeah, I think Auburn fans are sitting here going – wait, we bought out Gus for this, like this, you know, this is what we, we thought we were getting better uh, in in paying all that money to buy out Gus. And I think right now, you know, we'll see what happens in the other bowl games, but I'd say even if Sam Pittman were to lose to Penn state, even if uh, Ole Miss were to lose to Baylor, I I don't think any of those teams are going to be down on their coaches. If they lose their bowl games more than Auburn fans right now are questioning Brian Harson. I think there's optimism uh, you know, a mound for all the other coaches around the SEC. Maybe Eli Drinkwitz, I put a step below Brian Harson, but that's about it. And Clark Lee's down there too at Vandy. But I think everybody else, the arrow's pointing upward. That's not good. That is not good from an Auburn point of view. Gordy, where can people find you, hear you, all that good stuff? Yeah, Locked on SEC, wherever you find your podcast, talking all things SEC. We've had some great uh, conversations with some current SEC players, Vanderbilt quarterback Ken Seals, LSU quarterback Miles Brennan, We'll be talking some SEC baseball here very soon as well, so we'll have some guys on from across the conference. Looking forward to that. Awesome. Awesome. And if folks listening uh, to Locked On SEC, for all your Auburn content every single day, Locked On Auburn. We'll see you soon right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.